This is the 100th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze a whole heck of a lot of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Yes, we did it. We hit 100 weekly episodes. I'm excited, and this podcast is late, but it's late because the news changed midweek. And I had to reconfigure a lot of things because I wanted to be true to what actually happened rather than make it easy for myself. Um, I don't make anything easy for myself with this project. It's just the nature of who I am and how I work. I'm a little nutty. I tend to overdo everything. So here we go. Fox News, the Biden special counsel report freak out. President Biden will not sit down for that traditional pre-Super Bowl Sunday interview. Joe Biden says he's not going to do the interview in the Super Bowl halftime. Right. Mm. Is this an opportunity for Trump to do it? You're dodging the Super Bowl interview. You're not really campaigning for president if you're dodging. Part of the not doing the Super Bowl interview. Mm. Because to me, for them, the risk is too great. For a second year in a row, he's skipping out on the traditional Super Bowl interview. Maybe Kamala can do the Super Bowl interview with CBS. That'd be a good idea. And Trump says he'd be happy to replace <laughs> Biden for the big <clears throat> Super Bowl interview. President Biden's advisors reportedly claiming his refusal to sit down for the traditional Super Bowl Sunday interview is all part of the plan for Americans to enjoy the game without any politics. Joe Biden has just announced that he will not be doing the big <laughs> Super Bowl interview. I understand he's skipping the Super Bowl because he plans on calling Gorbachev in Russia. Trump says he'd be happy to replace Joe Biden uh, during that Super Bowl interview after Biden declined. The reason why he's dodging the traditional Super Bowl interview. The liberal media is hammering Joe Biden for snubbing an audience of 100 million Americans and skipping the traditional Super Bowl interview for the second year in a row. But there's one president who would gladly do the Super Bowl interview. Donald Trump says he would be happy to replace Biden and that it would be ratings gold. The sitting president just dissed them on Super Bowl Sunday. The president can't handle uh, an interview during the Super Bowl or to be played during the Super Bowl. What do you think he's saying or speaking to when he's talking to, to Xi Jinping or when he's talking to Putin? Or if This is the Super Bowl. Ideally, you have a relationship between the president, commander in chief and the American people. And voters, and it's like Joe not doing the Super Bowl interview sends a horrible message. He can't do simple interviews in the Super Bowl. It was one of the main reasons they decided to decline the opportunity to do that Super Bowl interview. That would have been the first question at the Super Bowl interview. I know people that are dismayed that Joe Biden isn't going to be doing this Super Bowl <laughs> halftime interview. But he's not giving interviews. Is this why they turned down the Super Bowl interview? Did they? So that montage started off just about the Super Bowl. And in the very end of it, it turned into now we know why he won't uh, do, give this interview at the Super Bowl because of this special counsel report that he knew was coming. Ha ha. And that's basically what they just concluded based on no evidence, just their gut, I guess. Um, that's exactly why I rearranged this entire newsletter podcast at the last minute, because I realized this story dominated everything. I needed to focus on this story, so I redid some of my edits. 
which I will be sharing with you uh, later. So last week started off like most on the Murdoch-owned network. Fox hosts put most of their focus on the border crisis and the bipartisan bill meant to fix it. Things took a dramatic turn when special counsel Robert K. Hur released his 345-page report on President Biden's handling of classified documents. Even though Hur concluded that Biden would not be criminally prosecuted, the entire right wing seized on statements he made about Biden's age and memory. Within minutes of the release of the report, Multiple Fox News hosts declared Biden wouldn't just suspend his reelection bid, he would resign immediately. The special counsel scandal was now 10 but her emails and 20 Hunter Biden laptops combined. A lawyer just called an 81-year-old man elderly and said he had a poor memory about something that had happened years prior. It was time to shut it all down and just coronate Donald J. Trump as emperor of the United States. No one actually said that, but it was implied. Fox News hosts also wildly misrepresented the bipartisan spending package that included changes to asylum policies, border security, as well as funding for Ukraine and Israel. Former President Donald J. Trump decided the bill might help Biden get reelected, so he declared that no Republican should support it, and most of the GOP fell in line. Meanwhile, Fox largely ignored the Israel-Hamas war, as the shows I covered dedicated only 1% of programming to the conflict, while it was a major story on the PBS NewsHour and took up 12% of the network's airtime. While Fox was overhyping the special counsel report, the network ignored an ISIS terrorist attack in Pakistan, a summer food program for low-income children, and a report on war crimes in Ukraine. Shows I covered last week, Fox and Friends, The Five, and Jesse Waters Primetime. So we're going to start off with Dana Perino setting up this whole special counsel documents case. This is from The Five on Thursday. Fox News alert, President Biden just reacting to a damning special counsel report on his handling of classified documents, a report that called him an elderly man with a poor memory. The special counsel is also painting a devastating picture about the president's mental acuity with this quote. We have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. It would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him by then a former president well into his 80s of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness. And that wasn't the only instance of the special counsel bringing up Biden's significant limitations when it comes to memory. The president also could not recall the years that he was vice president or when his son, Beau, died. Now, I think that final line that Perino had there about Biden not being able to recall the year his son died is very telling because I think that's what upset Joe Biden, because I think that would upset Joe Biden. And I immediately thought, I don't know if you, if anybody out there listening also did this, but I immediately thought, well, can I recall the year my grandmother died? No, I have no idea. That was in college at some point. Can I recall the year one of my closest friends died of cancer? No, I don't remember. I remember the day. I remember the details of when I found out she died. I could tell you exactly how I reacted. I could tell you where I was. I can't tell you the year. I have no idea what year that was. Ironically, this time of year, it was right, right around the Super Bowl. I remember that. Um, I could tell you my aunt because she just died. And she died right before Thanksgiving. 
But that's it. I think it's something blocking out things like years of when people die is something that our brain does in order to numb some of that pain. I've seen other people write about this. I've seen people talk about this. People at great loss cannot remember years like that. I think that's actually a normal reaction. But of course, uh, this lawyer being a lawyer, I get it. Um, I've also read a lot about legal experts saying that her went way too far with his comments and that there was no need to put that in there. Uh, regardless, we're going to keep going, but this is how we set it up. So Dana Perino sets it up pretty straight and then immediately Judge Jeanine goes too far with it. And this clip actually starts with Harold Ford Jr. discussing it with Judge Jeanine. And this is from the exact same episode on The Five. Being an ineffective prosecutor than anything else. So sharing all that information about him when you're not a doctor just seemed a little, a little, little unique to me and different. And I think I understand some of the criticism from the White House about that issue. Can I just say yep. one quick thing? Prosecutors do it every day. Every day we'll say we're not prosecuting this guy because, because he's got mental issues, because he's got a, a legitimate defense in terms of insanity, or because we don't believe that he's well, he, mentally he, capable yeah. of going Let forward. Me get he didn't say that. Do it every, they, he did say no, it. No, he didn't say that. That's he in fairness, Judge. He did not say that. He couldn't say it that hard because you yeah. and I both know that that went through several rewrites before the Department it, of yeah, Justice Yeah, I'd love to see the first draft. I'm not going to lie. mentally unfit. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Do you expect a flurry... So as I was watching that, I was saying the exact same things Harold Ford Jr. was saying. I was like, he, that's not what it said. That's not what it said. That's not what it said. Judge Jeanine is making an enormous leap here, saying that Joe Biden is so mentally incapacitated that he could not stand trial. Like bringing up insanity or bringing up like mental, somebody who's just so far gone mentally. It's not exa- that's, this is the quote. This is the actual quote. We have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. You can get the poor memory. You can attack him for that. But there also, this was an interview that was recently done about actions he took after he was vice president. So he's having to remember years back about boxes and what he took and what he didn't take and all that. I don't know if most of us could remember that. I moved into this apartment around the same time that this went down. And if you were going to ask me about specific things I brought or didn't bring into this apartment, I don't know if I could answer those correctly because some of these details were not that important to me or I didn't really think about it. So I thought, come on, give me a break. And I'm much younger than President Biden. Uh, So again, she's making a huge leap there. And now watch as that same exact misrepresentation is repeated throughout the cast of the five and onward. Basically said he's mentally unfit to stand trial. That is a naked assessment. This report is worse than an indictment. This report demands the 25th Amendment. And this indictment against Donald Trump, for a number of reasons, and I don't want to hog the time, should be dismissed based upon the joke that this whole thing is. Now that is downright shameful because Judge Janine, as a lawyer and a judge would know that one case does not negate another case like this. They're not related at all. Yes, one is a former president, one was a former vice president, current president. That No, it doesn't mean anything. You can't say, well, I don't like how this case turned out, so therefore this other case, we'll just throw it out. We'll just throw it, we'll just throw it out. It's 
Sorry, that's my Judge Janine impression. No, Judge Janine, that's not how the law works, and you know it. Shut up. Okay. And here's the thing. Okay, anyway, it's my Judge Janine. It's what I do. Moving on. The special counsel is saying that Biden is too old and incompetent to be held responsible for mishandling classified information and state secret. And mentally unfit man. And I bet a lot of the people around the world are looking at this report saying, oh, my God. When they talk about diminished faculties, those are phrases you hear in a hospice care setting when they're explaining to the children of the patient why grandpa is biting the care workers. That was Stephen Miller, ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Miller goes all the way to Biden is biting care workers in a nursing home based on comments about his quote unquote poor memory. Okay. It's actually happening in the White House right now, especially after you have his Department of Justice that, that ruled this, that said that the president is incompetent to take trial. So that was Lawrence Jones the next day on Fox and Friends, kind of inartfully saying the exact same thing. We are going to hear the phrase, the special counsel report showed that Joe Biden is mentally incapacitated to the point that he could not stand trial. We're going to hear variations of that until election day. I guarantee it. This will become a mantra. This is like, but her emails times 10. The same nonsense. The same nonsense that if you actually cracked open, which I have done at length, the email scandal, you'll find there's nothing there, but that's not going to stop them. Just like they really can't find anything on Hunter Biden yet. Doesn't stop them. They're going to just repeat this and repeat this and repeat it. So according to reporting by the Washington Post, the report showed that some of the documents in Biden's possession appeared to be packed up by mistake by aides working for the president. The report also showed that Biden took steps to ensure he did not share classified documents with his ghostwriter. Some differences between Biden and Trump. According to reporting by CBS News, federal investigators found 300 documents with classified markings at Mar-a-Lago. In contrast, Biden had 37 documents with top secret information along with handwritten notes. Biden wrongfully believed the handwritten notebooks were his personal property. The documents Trump was is charged with retaining allegedly included information about defense and weapons capabilities of the U.S. and other countries, specific military vulnerabilities, and how the U.S. might respond to an attack in addition to information about the U.S. nuclear programs. Investigators also found documents in his property at Bedminster, New Jersey, along with evidence that Trump shared information with ghostwriters. While Biden immediately contacted the National Archives once classified material was found at the Penn-Biden Center in Washington, Donald J. Trump refused to return classified material for months. Prosecutors also alleged that two of Trump's employees took steps to obstruct justice when they moved documents or attempted to destroy evidence related to the case. Trump also lied when he said repeatedly that he was fully cooperating with the National Archives. So those are some major, major differences that, of course, no one on Fox is going to mention. Now, this is an edit I made specifically for the podcast and specifically for one element of the podcast that I know is a big hit, uh, very popular with my regular listeners. 
And that um, would be clutch your pearls. Oh my goodness. Clutch your pearls and clutch them tightly. Hold them tightly with your hand. Hold them to your to your collarbone and say, oh my goodness, I need the vapors. I'm going to pass out from all the shock that I've had. Shock, I tell you, shock. You say that the president was angry? That he was yelling at the press? How dare he? How dare he? Okay, now clutch your pearls is a joke that I came up with um, based on whenever Fox News freaks out about something that Biden did that Trump did all the time. And this is showing anger and yelling at the press. Now, one of the funnier things about Fox News and Joe Biden is they portray him as both a fragile old man destroyed by dementia and an evil mastermind. (laughs) He is both on Fox News. He is this doddering old fool and a Machiavellian creature who is aware of everything and pulling all the strings. Also a puppet. They, they go back and forth. They can't make up their mind. They, they portray him as both, which is why I think the dark Brandon meme that he picked up and has run with, his whole campaign has run with, is, I think, very funny. Um, other people have criticized him for it. I'm just like, come on, like, give me a break. But anyway, it is funny. If you watch right-wing media, it's especially funny. So um, during segments about the special counsel report and Biden's impromptu press conference that followed, the president was described as if he was a raging, violent maniac. And I'm going to play those clips in a moment. This was especially ridiculous considering how former President Donald J. Trump acts all the time. He screamed at and berated members of the press during his entire presidency, even calling them the enemy of the people. Trump has said that protesters at his rallies could be roughed up. He's used dehumanizing language that has echoed actual Nazi rhetoric. A jury found that he sexually assaulted E. Jean Carroll, and many believe he encouraged and fomented a riot on our nation's capital. I would be one of these people. I'm going to go ahead and put my opinion out there on that one. I think the man's a criminal. It's safe to say that Donald J. Trump has an anger management problem. I wrote that as a joke. President Biden was emotional during his brief press conference, but he was far more controlled than Trump is on a good day. So these are mo- these these quotes are going to mostly start from Jesse Waters' prime time the night of the press conference. Um, and Waters, it's, a lot of the clips clips are Jesse Waters, but he also brought on a slew of guests who repeated some of this, and then. Some of these clips go into the next day. President forced to call a hasty press conference, which he never does at this hour, about 10 minutes late to the press conference, seething with anger at one point um, at the special counsel for suggesting that he didn't remember when his son Bo died. Just watched a wounded political animal hobble to a podium and react with defensiveness With anger? I don't think I've ever witnessed anything like that. The anger, the defensiveness, the dishonesty. So that was Kaylee McEnany you heard there right before Jesse Waters again. The line about dishonesty, I was like, shut your mouth. (laughs) Dishonesty. Okay, remember, who's the person you promote all the time? Donald J. Trump. The man lies as often as he breathes. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. I don't know what to say about this one. It looked like he was almost going to throw a punch at one point. And he was angry. He was too emotional. You're right. Insane press conference we just witnessed where the president almost looked like he was going to 
jump across and hit somebody. Peter said he wasn't antagonistic. Well, it looked like he was going to snap her neck. Absolutely. He was, he was very antagonistic. It, it, and you're right. The, 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 the president just kind of snapped her head off and denied it, gave a real angry old man feel. He's surrounded by staff who's doing all the stuff, and he shows up, he coughs, he, he yells at some reporters. Okay, that was Steve Ducey. The voice before Steve Ducey was Byron York. He works for the Washington Examiner. He's a conservative writer. So that, again, it's just laughable. He yelled at a reporter? He yelled? He yelled at a reporter. He yelled at a reporter. Kalacha pearls. I can't even handle such a sight as a president of the United States yelling at a report at a journalist. An esteemed member of the press, the only, the only profession that is guaranteed protected in the First Amendment, which is true, which is true. I mean, Trump, are you kidding? There are montages of Trump berating, degrading, screaming, personally insulting members of the press. Like, are you? Okay, I didn't. I didn't really see that with Biden. I saw a man that was very upset, and I think what upset him, I, I can't read his mind. But I'm guessing the comments about him not remembering the death of his son. I'm sure he remembers the death of his son. I'm sure that memory is burned in his brain and will remain there until the day he dies. That's an incredibly painful thing for anybody to go through. And I honestly cannot tell you when my grandmother died. And she had a very painful end. I could not tell you when, and I'm going to give her a shout out. I mean, she's no longer with us. Laura Lee Summerhill, somebody who I had no, she was hiding her illness. Nobody knew she was sick. Um, very few people knew she was sick. She had a rare form of cancer. She died in her 40s. Um, absolutely breathtakingly beautiful, positive, gorgeous woman, incredibly talented. What blew me away about her death is she had this positivity that very few people have on this planet that was natural, that was her essence. And she was snuffed out for no reason. And that's what floored me and broke me. I, I remember collapsing when I found out she died. I fell down. I like couldn't stand up. I couldn't tell you the date. Couldn't tell you the year. I could look it up on Facebook. I could figure it out. It was the Super Bowl weekend. And I remember we was talking about the Super Bowl and I was just like, w why did my friend just die? So yeah, that's normal. I think it's part of grief. I think it's something that we do to figure out how to get through this we just we just block things out so i think it's very unfair for them to come at him over that i do i think it's absolutely ridiculous and other people have said the same thing including like grief experts i've read articles where people who are experts on grief say yeah this is something that we do to get past some of the pain we just block some things out so before i move on because we're going to finally move on to another topic that one did dominate and I'm very glad I made those edits because I was like, I can't really do this. I can't pull from the things I put on Twitter in order to really show this. I'm going to have to make new edits. So that meant rewatching a bunch of stuff to kind of pull the best things. And that's what I did. That took time. So um, I should give a shout out to my sponsor. Who is my sponsor? Thank you, everybody, for 100 episodes of Decoding Fox News. I've made more than that because I don't count the bonus episodes, but it's 100 weekly and you guys are amazing. My sponsor are the listeners of this podcast and the readers of my newsletter. I am 100% crowdsource funded. I have no advertisers, no large donors, 
no benefactor of any kind. I've had a couple people who've given me more than other uh, people who've donated to this cause. Thank you so much. I don't want to shout out anybody's name because of privacy reasons, but thank you so much. You know who you are. You're amazing. One person gave me enough money to buy my MacBook Pro. <laughs> I will say that. And I, I'm still floored by that generosity. It's just tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. And I thank you so much for that. Um, it has been a battle to get to keep this thing going. It is very difficult to be crowdsource funded. If you would like to be a paid subscriber to Decoding Fox News, you can go to my Substack for Decoding Fox News. You can go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. Paid subscribers and paid supporters get exclusive content. This week it will be something based on, I've already started working on it, the um, how they twisted the bipartisan bill. It'll be a written newsletter. Uh, I did a Twitter thread yesterday. That's another reason why this is late. Based on that, it was a very full week. It seemed very slow, and then all of a sudden it got really crazy at the end there. I also want to give a shout-out to a supporter who purchased something from my Amazon wish list. That was a John spelled J-O-N with a, ger a bunch of German last names. I think it's because you guys are on the, in the Midwest. I think a lot of you are in the Midwest. There's one particular person with the first name of Eric, who's a very crazy German last name, kind of makes me laugh because it's so German. It's like you can't hide, you could not hide that ethnicity to save your life. Um, I have a friend I grew up with named, his last name is Osterhagen, <laughs> which, which means Easter fence. There's a lot of Germans in the Midwest. Anyway, this person lives in Ohio, and I know for a fact that they've gone through every single episode from the first one... <laughs> And they've liked it. They're like trying to catch up, which is cracking me up because I get these updates and I'm like, I can't believe this person's still doing this. <laughs> these, And I think you might be caught up at this point. Um, I was like, wow, because I would get these updates and it would be like one day it would be like Eric so-and-so just liked and it would be like three podcasts or four podcasts. And I'm like, this person is busy. Thank you for doing that. That's crazy. I've done that before. I'm that big of a nerd. But anyway, not everybody is. So anyway, I don't want to waste too much time on this. But again, oh, fun fact. I said I was going to do this for the 100th episode. Everybody asks about the um, theme song. Uh, I, I wish I could tell you, oh, you can buy that single. You can listen to that band. I bought that from Premium Beat, which is a company that sells songs for podcasts. I think it's a great song. I bought it from the punk section. It's called Eat Your Heart Out. Um, I had to like purchase a song for copyright reasons because I was too terrified to use a song and then have somebody say, oh, no, you can't use that and then screw up recordings and all that. So I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to buy a song meant for podcasts. And that song can only be used for podcasts. The rules with music and copyright are really nutty. I have other songs that I can't use in a podcast, but I can use in a video. And I get it. I'll do whatever I'm told. But I have rights to use this song in a podcast. So premium beat you can check it out also very quickly and i totally understand because i don't make a lot of money doing this if you can't afford to become a paid subscriber the best thing you can do is share the podcast share the newsletter tell your friends help promote it that works wonders um other than that you don't have to do anything if you do i still have i redid the uh wish list all the uh, office supplies were purchased at very at the very beginning um, now it's just cat food, and <laughs> pretty much. And I thank everybody for buying cat food. Uh, the John person bought cat food. I don't make a lot of money doing this. I have two cats. They're my major expense. It's kind of a joke, but it's true. Every year, my pets are always the biggest expense of my personal life. So 
if you can't help out, that's great. Uh, if not, that's great. It's all good. Um, so thank you so much for everybody who's supported this this project. I, I don't want to get emotional right now because I still have a lot to do with the podcast, but it's just meant a lot to me. Um, I had no idea I could be self-employed and a journalist when I went to grad school. I thought for sure I'd be working for a media company. I had a vision of myself, you know, deep within a media company, just cutting tape, which is editing video. I thought that's where I would end up or, you know, breaking news somewhere, which is a very difficult job because you have no beat. You're constantly having to come up with new stuff and, and go very quickly and jump on new stories. Very difficult job. That's where a lot of, that's an entry level job in media. But I got this opportunity through a grant and I ran with it and it's been incredibly difficult. It's a very challenging job. I work incredibly long hours. I will openly admit this, a 60 to 80 hours a week on average, sometimes seven days a week. I'm not kidding. But like anybody who's run a small business, it's like a baby and you got to nurture that baby and you got to make it grow. You cannot assume it will live on its own. It's kind of dark, but true. And I was a small business owner before I got into this. So I'm, I'm used to that mentality. So anyway, moving on. So Dana Loesch, former spokesperson for the NRA, current uh, radio host, gets fact-checked by Fox. Now, we're going back to the bipartisan spending package that was supposed to include border security, changes to immigration laws, and um, funding for Ukraine and Israel, which, um, as soon as it came out, was lambasted in the right-wing press. And this was from Monday on Jesse Waters' primetime. This is what the podcast was going to be about (laughs) until the special counsel report came out. So this is Dana Loesch misrepresenting what was in the bill. I mean, this legislation is an absolute betrayal to the republic. And no, it is not hysterical to use language this harsh on something this bad. If people are reserving their outrage for something, I don't know what could make you more outraged than this amnesty bill that's essentially going to fast track all of this. So as soon as she said amnesty, I went, wait a second. Mm, That's not right. Earlier that day on Fox and Friends, uh, Lawrence Jones did a whole presentation on the bill that included giant graphics on a screen behind him. And one of those graphics said, there's no amnesty in this bill for anybody. Concessions from both the Democrats and Republicans. First, you go to no amnesty for anyone already here. Apparently, this was a big deal for the Democrats. They wanted amnesty, especially when it came down to some of those dreamers. But that is not in the bill. So I love it when Fox News fact checks itself, even though the Lawrence Jones quote came from the morning and Dana Loesch was on in the evening. But I mean, he's still a fact checker because it's like there's no amnesty in the bill. And then she's saying amnesty. She also said in that same segment, I don't have room to include it, but she also said something to the effect of we're spending six. We want to spend 60 billion dollars in Ukraine And then she quoted the U.S. Marine budget, the budget for the U.S. Marines, and said, oh, we're spending more on Ukraine than our own military. And I'm like, you think the entire U.S. military is the U.S. Marines? Are you out of your mind? We spent about $700, $800 billion on the U.S. military. So that's a lot more than $60 billion. I also want to point out that this is constantly, I wish the Democrats would do a better job of representing this, or people who are pro-Ukraine would do a better job of representing this, because I've read about this at length. Now, when we say we send military um, funding to Ukraine, we're giving them weapons, yada, yada. There's a perception that we just give them a blank check and they spend the money however they want. That's not what happens in Ukraine at all. 
When we give them weapons, those weapons are made in factories in the United States, and that helps uh, keep people in the United States employed. Uh, it's paying salaries for workers in the United States. It's helping defense contractors in the United States. You can criticize the military-industrial complex all you want. Of course, plenty to criticize about the fact that our military is so huge, the fact that we spend so much money on it. But the money that goes to Ukraine does not necessarily all go to Ukraine. A lot of it stays in the United States. And we're giving them weapons. Also, it's some of its loans, some of its grants. It's not the same way. It's not this perception that we're just giving them money is, 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 is incorrect. Because when we give them arms that are manufactured in the United States, we're actually helping fuel that industry in the United States. Again, criticize it if you want, but that money is not necessarily all going out of the country. I could do an entire podcast just on Ukraine spending. I don't have time to do that right now, but I could. Uh, it's not at all what it appears to be. Um, also, just again, on a little bit of a tangent, the Baltic states that are right next to Russia, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, are all giving a much larger percentage. This is key. Those are tiny countries, but they're giving a larger percentage of their GDP than the United States is. Poland as well. And there's a few other countries. Again, that's percentage of GDP. They're smaller economies, they're smaller countries. But when you talk about like the cut of their total budget that they're giving to Ukraine, it's higher than the a higher percentage than ours would be. That's a story that is not told enough in the press. Estonia has a population of 1.3 million people in the entire country. Brooklyn is twice the size of Estonia in population. Just Brooklyn. Just Brooklyn. One borough of New York City. I've explained the boroughs before people get confused. Uh, New York City is five boroughs. Brooklyn is one borough. Um, so Estonia, a tiny little country, they're giving a larger share of their GDP to Ukraine uh, than we are because they are desperate they don't want to get invaded by Russia because they have been before in the past. Okay, moving on. This is my favorite, another classic. It's, 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 it's like a gift from the universe and I'm getting all the classics for, I don't have a bogus expert for this one, but I have a Fox Guest Goes Rogue, which is a classic, um, I don't know, bit that I do for the podcast. And that's when a guest on Fox News doesn't play by the rules. And as part of the network never-ending migration hysteria, Jesse Waters included a segment with a man he described as a former gang member. Waters started the segment with a xenophobic tirade where he described migrants using terms and phrases such as vulture economics, assault on America, elites orchestrating, sadomasochism, feasting on workers, and carpet bombing caravans. It was in this huge, long, crazy monologue. He then introduced his guest, Spanky Loco. Now, let me describe this man. Loco looked every part of the stereotype of a Latino gang member. His face was covered in tattoos, his head was shaved, and his eyes were hidden behind dark sunglasses. Waters quickly found out that he got more than he bargained for with Loco. He started with a leading question. Is it to operate as a street gang, as an undocumented guy in a sanctuary city? It must be heaven on earth. I mean, I couldn't say. My, my, rec my early recollections of dealing with um, dealing with the matter was like my own parents migrating from from Mexico and coming to 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 the West Coast. But um, I, I, I would like to say it wasn't a it wasn't a, a you know a, a luxury to say we're going to leave 
our family behind and leave everyone behind to go try and do something new. I would like to call uh, these migrants more refugees. Um, and at that time, I can only speak on my experience, which was, you know, my family needing to be in a better environment, hardworking family, responsible family. Um, my parents moved to the West LA, Venice, uh, Venice Beach area. And As Loco was talking, uh, Waters producers had images of gang members in an El Salvadorian prison who were just wearing white shorts, who had tattoos and shaved heads, and they were running because they they um, are very brutal towards prisoners in El Salvador. That's a whole other story. But they were showing these like kind of shocking images on the screen that did not match what Spanky Loco was saying. Crime was never part of our of our background. Now, systemically, because I have parents that didn't understand the language and didn't have a relationship with law enforcement and a relationship with, uh, you know. Uh, school administrators, of course, you know, people like us, guys, guys like us, first generation fell through the cracks. That was a very common story. So you're a dreamer, Spanky. I'm actually a doer. I'm not a dreamer. I'm a doer. Because of my, 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 my shortcomings and because of the examples that my, my parents, you know, put in front of me, I've been able to, you know, start my own business, um, be proactive in my community, uh, uh, talk about uh, my lived experience and 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 kind of uh, what I saw systemically, and and say, hey, there's options, there's choices here. Sure. Now it sounds like Jesse Waters was trying to bring up the DACA program, which is Deferred um, Action for Childhood Arrivals, meaning he he was assuming that Spanky Loco came here as a child and he might be in the Dreamer program. I don't I don't think I don't know, but. I love how Loco answered that. He's like, I'm a doer. Now, I, I did some research, found Spanky Loco on Instagram. He's like an aspiring hip-hop artist. He's a tattoo artist, and he's, he also is a painter and does illustrations. Um, I just wanted to comment, too, because I really liked some of his artwork. He, was, he has a theme of butterflies in some of his work, and butterflies are often done by people who use them to express a rebirth, which I don't know, I can't see in his head. I have no idea why he paints butterflies. He paints other things as well. But the butterflies really struck me because I know that's a very common rebirth theme, reawakening. Um, I paint butterflies. I used to be a face painter um, and body, body painter. And one of my favorite things to paint was butterflies. I'm like known for my butterflies. And I went through a horrible divorce. It was absolutely catastrophic to me. And I gleaned towards butterflies because of their image of rebirth, of renewal. And so I don't, I don't know. I had this weird connection with Spanky Loco. But Spanky, I'll get into Spanky Loco. He's a 49-year-old man, too. So I think Jesse Waters thought he was interviewing a much younger person. That would make Spanky Loco older than Jesse Waters. So I thought that was interesting. Um, he has a very large following on Instagram, and he took this clip and he made it in his own video with I'm a doer. And I was like, yes. Now, that's not the end of this interview. The end of this interview gets even weirder. Um, this is how you could tell Jesse Waters was trying to get rid of Spanky Loco. Spanky Loco kept talking, and I was like, yes, yes, go, Spanky Loco, go. And here's that clip. Uh, to understand is to is to show empathy i know it's really hard these days no, and, and saying hey that guy right there and that guy right there is the cause of why we're falling apart 
but having a little empathy and going into your community and saying, what are the needs? Yeah. And being firsthand, Listen, as opposed uh, to being a, on the couch and giving your opinion and saying, this is what I think would make America better. Go out there. All right. Go out there and be grassroots and go out there and connect with your local leaders of your community and see what's needed. See what, what, what your immediate area needs. Well, I think I that's the first, uh, the first step. I ooze it because you always know if you don't ooze it, you lose it. Mr. Loco, thank you. You could do a psychoanalysis of Jesse Waters. Just I, I think you'd baffle doctors. I think they'd go, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with that dude. I don't know. Ooze it, you lose it. Ooze empathy. Why are you talking about yourself, number one? You, you could have just said, thank you, we've run out of time. What, what's wrong with you, Jesse Waters? What is wrong with you? He thought he was going to invite some scary thug on who was like, yeah, these, lo these laws in California make it so easy for me to steal. <laughs> Instead, he, he, he gets a middle-aged man on there who's reformed his life. He's totally, completely turned it around, who's dedicated to sending positive message to his community. And he, he completely... The entire segment backfired on him. I saw a very sympathetic person. Yeah, he had facial tattoos. Who cares? Um, you know, who was just like, I'm trying to do right by my community. I'm trying to help out. I'm trying to change the world. I was like, Spanky Loco. Anyway, last clip. This one's just funny. Uh, Greg Gutfeld, projection as defined by psychology today. The process of displacing one's feelings onto a different person, animal, or object. The term is most commonly used to describe defensive projection, attributing one's own unacceptable urges to another. Donald J. Trump does this constantly. You could also say behavior rather than urges. Um, it's a frequent tool used by propagandists. I found a website called the Prop Watch Project that included actual examples of politicians and political figures using projection to strengthen their argument or to attack an opponent, whatever. This is Greg Gutfeld describing the Democratic Party, and you can see why I thought this was a great example of projection. The Democratic Party, for some reason lately, is addicted to chaos, and we have to keep doing these interventions, right? And like an addict, the left has to hit rock bottom. The problem is they're taking everybody with them. I think the little angry man doth protest too much. Your party <laughs> is a constant tornado of chaos. The fact that they, you know, kicked out their own speaker for really no reason, Speaker of the House, and then couldn't elect another one for weeks. The fact that it took weeks to elect the first Speaker of the House. The fact that they can't even count their votes for a basic bill. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't count their votes for the Mayorkas impeachment. Give me a break. It's constant chaos. Trump is constant chaos. He just said he wanted NATO uh, allies to be attacked. He encouraged Russia to attack NATO allies. And he misrepresented how NATO... That's next week. It'll come up next week, I'm sure, because I have clips from it already. But give me a break. Chaos is the Republican Party right now. You did this to yourself. It's self-inflicted. Moving on. Uh, um, stories Fox News ignored. I'm going to run out of time. Every week I compare the hours I've watched on Fox News to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following are stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not.
Updates on the war in Ukraine. Russia fired drones, crews, and ballistic missiles at six regions across Ukraine, killing at least five civilians and wounding almost 50 others, including a pregnant woman. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky fired his top general after a prolonged stalemate in the Russian-occupied areas. He replaced him with Colonel General Alexander Zireski, the commander of Ukraine's ground forces. A joint report by Human Rights Watch, Truth Hounds, and SITU Research found evidence of widespread war crimes committed by Russia in the Ukrainian city of Mariupol between February and May 2022. Thousands of civilians were killed, while hundreds of thousands more were trapped for weeks without basic services. The 224-page report, Our City Was Gone, Russia's Devastation of Mariupol, Ukraine, an accompanying digital multimedia feature and a 20-minute video analyzed the civilian suffering and damage to thousands of buildings, including several hundred high-rise apartments, hospitals, educational facilities, and electricity and water infrastructure. President Biden met with Chancellor Olaf Scholz of Germany in the Oval Office to discuss how to urge Congress to pass billions more in aid for Ukraine. During a two-hour interview with Tucker Carlson, Russian President Vladimir Putin said he wanted Ukraine to come to the table with peace talks and implied he might be open to a prisoner swap in exchange for the release of an American journalist, Evan Gersanovich, who's been held in Russia on espionage charges since March. The interview was full of historical inaccuracies as Putin rambled on about a highly inaccurate version of European history. Putin also repeated a false claim that Boris Johnson, then the prime minister of the UK, scuttled a peace deal between Ukraine and Russia soon after the war started. Updates in the Israel-Hamas war. According to Israeli intelligence, at least 32 of the 136 hostages still in Gaza have died. Israel and Gaza are still in negotiations about a possible ceasefire and the release of the remaining hostages. Tawfiq Adel Jabbar, 17, an American citizen and Palestinian, is one of the 94 children and 370 Palestinians total killed in the West Bank since October 7th. PBS interviewed his father in New Orleans. His family is demanding an investigation into his death. Paul McKenzie, a doomsday cult leader in Kenya, was charged along with 29 others in the death of 191 children. Kenyan authorities say McKenzie ordered his followers to starve themselves. Meta's oversight board called the company's policies for altered and misleading videos incoherent and too narrowly focused on AI-generated content. The board suggested Meta update the rules to cover both audio and video content regardless of whether AI was used and to apply labels identify it, identifying it as manipulated. PBS produced a segment making the one year, marking the one-year anniversary of the devastating earthquake that caused major damage in southern Turkey and northwest Syria. The segment focused on the terrible living conditions people in Syria still face. Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, was asked about his possible presidential run as a third-party candidate. Manchin was evasive and gave broad statements that did not give a clear indication of his intentions. He was critical of Republicans for blocking the border bill for political reasons. At least 30 people were killed in two bombings at political offices the day before a parliamentary election in Pakistan. The Islamic State, also known as ISIS, branch in Pakistan, claimed responsibility for the attacks. The elections in Pakistan left no clear winner, as supporters and allies of the imprisoned ex-Prime Minister Imran Khan won the most seats in the lower house of parliament, while the two op opposition parties also did well 
but no party won enough to form a government. The parties will have to form a coalition government. PBS produced a segment about a militia group in Iraq that suffered casualties and damage from recent U.S. airstrikes. The group claimed to have no connection with the recent attacks on U.S. troops. The Prime Minister of Haiti appealed for calm after three days of violent protest as angry citizens called for his resignation. The country has spiraled into chaos following the July 2021 assassination of President Jovel Mosse. The country failed to hold planned elections in 2019 and 2023 as the legislature is currently empty as the last 10 senators' terms expired in 2023. Gang violence has dominated the country as poverty has soared. The FCC ruled an immediate ban on the use of AI voices and automated phone calls. The ruling went into effect immediately. It makes voice cloning technology used in common robocall scams targeting consumers illegal. PBS produced a segment about the rising cost of rents all over the country. According to a new report by Harvard's Joint Center for Housing Studies, half of American renters pay more than 30 percent of their income in housing costs. Senators pressed big farmer leadership over the high costs of drugs in the United States. The CEOs of Bristol Myers Squibb, Johnson & Johnson, and Merck faced rigorous questions about drug prices in the U.S. compared to other countries. St. Paul, Minnesota became the first major city in the United States to elect an all-female city council. Earthquakes struck Hawaii and California last week. No serious damage was reported. Michael Mann, a climatologist and geophysicist, won a million-dollar verdict in a defamation suit against two conservative writers, Rand Simberg and Mark Stein. The blogger said that he had manipulated his data and compared him to a child molester. Stein was once a frequent guest on the Tucker Carlson Tonight. The case stretched back 12 years. A summer program to help feed low-income children was rejected in some states. The program called Summer EBT would give needy families $40 a month for each child who's eligible while the school is not in session. 35 states accepted Summer EBT, including 13 states with Republican governors. Some of the states that rejected the program also have some of the highest rates of child poverty, such as Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and Alabama. Seiji Ozawa, a charismatic conductor, has died of heart failure in Tokyo at age 88. He earned the Kusetsi Prize at the Tanglewood Music Center and worked with Leonard Bernstein at the New York Philharmonic. Ozawa served as the longest-running conductor of the Boston Symphony Orchestra for 29 seasons, from 1973 to 2002. By the numbers, we go into the top five topics on Fox News, and I compare them to the PBS NewsHour, if you're new to the podcast. Here we go for Fox News, the top five topics for the week ending February 11, 2024. Biden documents case 19% of coverage. Border crisis 11%. Biden bashing, that's just general Biden bashing, 10%. Spending bill that included Ukraine and border crisis, 9%. And the SCOTUS, that's the Supreme Court trial, about Trump being off the ballot in Colorado, 3%. For the PBS NewsHour, top five topics, 17%, the spending bill, same spending bill with Ukraine and the border crisis, Israel-Hamas war, 12%, author profile, which is people talking about their books, 9%, Biden classified documents case, 7%, and again, that SCOTUS trial with Trump on the ballot, 5%. Words used on Fox News. Again, this is the shows I covered. And the shows I covered last week, I'd probably drop that. No, I said it. it. Was Fox and Friends, The Five, and Jesse Waters' primetime. Biden, 
350 times. Trump, 269. Border, 220. Migrant, 153. Super Bowl, 89. Crime, 64. Israel, 56. Ukraine, 21. Economy, 18. Iran, 16. Nikki Haley, 12. China, 10. Inflation, 10. Hunter, 7. He's going to come back. They're already talking about him this week. Dean Phillips, 4. I laugh every time I say his name. And AOC, 3. I'm going to do, because I didn't do one, because I was there was a lot to get to this week. I'm going to do a brief Judge Jeanine for, for, the, for the, the lovers of the impression and a brief Carrie Lake. Here we go. Here's Judge Jeanine. I can't believe that woman who does that goofy podcast where she imitates me has hit 100 episodes, 100 a week. What? Who is listening to this show? I'd like to know. Because as a prosecutor and as a former judge, I can tell you that she's no good. She's a loud mouth. And she's probably scaring her cats right now. Look. Odin is terrified. There's a black cat in her I can see it. I can see it in my mind's eye. Ah, give me an Oreo cookie. Okay. You're fake news and you're a liar. And this woman who does decoding Fox News who thinks she's hilarious doing some weird Broadway version of my voice, she has no idea. I am the governor of Arizona. I am Carizona. Carizona will be renamed. I will be the senator. I will be the governor at the same time. I've been the governor the whole time. I have, have you read my memoir? Have you read it? It's very good. It's about me and Jesus and being the governor and Donald J. Trump and my aspirations. I will be the next vice president, senator, governor of Arizona all at the same time. You know why? Because I don't eat carbohydrates. I keep myself fit and trim, and I use a lot, a lot of filtering, because why not? Donald J. Trump is my spirit animal. If you can manifest it, you can be it. And every day I look in the mirror and I say, Carrie Lake, who's the governor? And that mirror says back to me, you. You're the governor, Carrie Lake, and you're the next senator, and you're the next vice president, and you're the next Miss Donald J. Trump. Don't tell my husband. He knows. He knows. Okay, that's... I'm just pulling this out of thin air. I don't I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, hi, Odin. Odin just knocked over... I have, like, the sound wall behind me. It helps the acoustics with a podcast. And Odin just sort of knocked into it because Odin's crazy. Thank you so much for supporting this project for 100 episodes. I... I don't want to get emotional, but it has been incredibly difficult to do this job. The community that is Decoding Fox News has helped me do this job. Thank you so much. Again, if you'd like to become a paid subscriber, you can go to my Substack for Decoding Fox News. You can go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. I'm slowly but surely making it to a living wage. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Not really. But I, I, I have faith that I will get there. I have faith. Um, thank you so much, uh, Odin and Thor, the podcast mascots and their love you can also find me on threads twitter instagram tiktok uh if you want to find me on youtube or facebook i'm under my name juliet jeske spelled juliet as in romeo and jeske j-e-s-k-e i also have a version of my podcast that appears on resolute square which is a media company that's associated with the lincoln project and you can find that on youtube 
Resolute Square identifies as a pro-democracy media project, and I am very much pro-democracy. So thank you so much for listening. I will see you at the next podcast. I didn't, I made it through it without crying. You guys are amazing. This has been so tremendously difficult for me, and I am so incredibly thankful for this audience. I will see you at the next podcast. 